Welcome to the Empowered Movement Podcast. Hello, I am here with Britta. And Britta, I apologize, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Oh, congratulations. That's so excited. Um, okay, sh- can you share a little bit it's about Remish. yourself? Um, um, it's okay. It's changing soon. And so. like your background, <laughs> all of that like normal Thank bio, you. bio stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So aside from being a strength and flexibility coach, um, I am a dancer of many sorts, um, lifelong dancer, uh, current contortionist, artist of a lot of types of things, mostly involving movement, but I definitely love um, any sort of um, art, fitness, movement thing. It is probably a part of my life. Um, I grew up dancing. It was never something that was super serious for me. I didn't really understand how to make that like a personal thing. Uh, it was just kind of the sport that felt uh, the most natural for me at the time. Uh, I found pole dancing and circus arts in college. Um, and because of uh, the way I sort of morphed into being, I was like, well, I have to do this professionally. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I... Uh, performed with a circus troupe for a while and eventually settled on doing pole as my specialty and started competing a lot, uh, did a ton of train-cationing, um, mostly in LA and New York and did my teacher trainings and um, through that kind of discovered cross-training and lifting and flexibility and all the wonderful things we do on the side to support our pole dancing practice. Uh, but it wasn't something that I ever anticipated I would become, especially in my professional career. I was never like a strength okay. oriented. And you human. went to college in Montana. Um, so yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, so I was wondering. Kind of so I short was pondering. The, I was like, how uh, did I get path. to know Britta? Like, how did we somehow connect? Yes, and Missoula. you trained at Mask, right? Which is like now Westside Studios. Yeah. So we must have like just missed each other. Because I started my aerial journey at Mask as well. And I was training with yeah, Caitlin. Yeah. I think her last name's War. War. Yeah. Um, I was taking classes with her and then like through like social media, like connected with like yeah, Gracie. Caitlin War. And then yeah. you and Gracie are obviously really good friends. And so like somehow started following you. And I was like, this is super random that we like lived in the same area and have really only connected like virtually like we've never actually met in person which is just bonkers to me (laughs) I do I do love that though I love my virtual friends um and I'm happy that you're one of them but yeah we really we really must have just missed each other uh because I trained at mass um, which is again now Westside Studios um, and Pulp Fiction just, in Missoula from 2000. Yeah, I was trying to remember the years. And and I, I feel like I started training there so, in like 2013, yeah, 2014. Just, uh, but I was like just like a baby. Like I was just leaving. like going in for like one or two classes a week, which like you wouldn't have been like popping into the beginner classes for really any reason, right? Um, and then yeah, so it's just like super random that like we could have 
like potentially train together like if we would have known okay, each other okay. back back in the day <laughs> yeah that's definitely could have happened too because we like probably would have recognized each other um so you have transitioned from or maybe we did and we being just don't an know artist <laughs> to training artist obviously you're still an artist like you still create art and like do a lot of cool things with your body but it it seems like you're transitioning more into helping other artists can we explore that a little bit yeah for sure so I have always loved the idea of being able to hack your body uh when I started cross training for pole competitions I was really intrigued by that and was like oh there's a pretty much direct pathway to the tricks I want to perform in my competition or, um, you know, something I'm wondering about that, like, why does my body do this when I try this? Uh, and I started, uh, personal training in the gym and I really was fascinated by it and went on to, um, get my own certifications and education in that area. And I love working with this population. Um, and I love helping people find, training solutions that fit their lifestyle uh, to increase their strength and flexibility or whatever it is that they're focused on. Um, Cause I think that's a big barrier, at least that I see with artistic athletes is that of course the main thing that you're going to be doing is your sport. And then it's like, when do I find time to, you know, strength or flexibility train? So I love working with people um, to find solutions for that. And um, we have a bunch of different options uh that we can go for as far as I love it training I feel like just in my experience right now, with working really I mostly like see people that are injured and like the country, their so rehab and then I've been like cool. dabbling recently into like actually doing more like performance coaching um in like cross training right like I'm not doing like virtual classes which I could I've had a few people reach out and be like can you teach me virtually and I was like I feel like you should be with a person but that's just me um like high level stuff when you're alone in a space with just a virtual coach, like kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. But mm. that's like the injury part of my brain where I'm like, what's the worst thing that could happen if you were there alone? Um. Anyways, long story. Can How do you approach building mm. training plans around people's lifestyles? Because where I was going with that is a lot of people tell me they have a, a hard time fitting their rehab exercises in with everything else that they have going on. Uh, well, there's a couple of ways I go about that depending on the athlete. So one is finding out what this person is motivated by, um, what their schedule is like, and when training would really mesh into their life. Um, I talk a lot about uh, planning your training week around uh, what what else you're going to be training. So if you're going to be training deadlifts or pull-ups or something that involves your lats like maybe don't do it after a heavy aerial day and I think that that's where a lot of athletes get discouraged um, from fitting in their cross training as they feel so tired um, and they feel like they have to do it all um, and so finding these solutions that are like okay if you're typically in the studio um, Monday Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday um, then what are where are we fitting in your rest days? Um, 
what are we doing to bolster that those four days that you're in the studio um, that's going to feel really good for you um, and that like you look forward to it and you want to do it because uh, it's fitting in with other stuff that you're doing in the studio. Um, And the other thing that I think is helpful is empowering the athlete or client through individual assessments. And um, it's fun for me to do because I'm an anatomy nerd and I love to um, kind of look at the puzzles of people's bodies and all that kind of stuff. But also um, teaching clients the overall theme of like what we're training um, and saying like, oh, like this is something that I really see can be uh, supported uh, that maybe you're feeling that in the studio, um, whether it's something strength wise or flexibility wise, um, and having that person actually know, like, and be really in touch with what we're doing. I helps them with executing it. Um, so that it's not just a random workout or like training exercises that you have to do at some point in the week. It's like, okay, I'm in touch and like, I'm educated with what it is we're actually Definitely. doing and I like, feel like why we're a lot of people a lot step is skipped in a lot of um, different aspects whether it's like working with a trainer or working with so. um some sort of provider for rehab is like the reason why we're doing a particular exercise and not have it just seem like it's like checking a box to be like oh yeah I did my my shoulder rehab or I did my hip rehab or whatever it's like we're having you do like these specific sets of exercises at a specific Mm -hmm. dosage because this is the goal that you're trying to achieve and if we don't figure out a way to communicate that to the person um they're like I don't know if motivation is like the right Right, word but like they're willingness to like continue doing the like kind of monotonous work that it takes to like build strength or build flexibility um, can very easily be like, eh, I don't really understand why I'm doing this. And so I'm just not going to do it. Right, right. And that for me personally, in my own practice was the fascinating part for me because I enjoy this kind of thing and it helped me feel more in touch with my dance and my pole practice. And, um, I really like learning about it. And I find that a lot of my clients and a lot of my athletes are the same way. Uh, yeah, I also don't really love the word motivation. (laughs) Um, people like ask me how to stay motivated. I'm like, uh, don't, (laughs) um, you, you're, um, if you're not feeling motivated, you're probably lacking meaning in your training or your practice. So no, I feel um, that is definitely, I've a, had people ask me that to, um, before quite a bit. They're like, I, How do I you don't stay, exactly mean motivating like, when motivated I motivated to like be so um, consistent so on all the different things. And I'm like, I don't like feel motivated like 99% of the time. I just like know that this is something that like, if I want to see the results that I want to see and I, if I don't take these steps, like I'm never going to get there. So the like ultimate outcome is worth so much to me that I'm willing to like do the monotonous stuff that I know I need to do to get there. Which is like kind of hard to explain. I don't know, not really explain, but like it makes me seem like sometimes like feel like a robot. And so I've been trying to find like a better way to be like, I don't like you need to find some like intrinsic something Or like maybe some like external goal that you're trying to achieve and really just like hone in on the why 
we're wanting to achieve that goal because otherwise like you can definitely let stuff like distract you and be like oh i'll do it tomorrow oh, i'll do it tomorrow and then the next thing you know it's been several months and you're in the same spot definitely well and i think that it's a common misconception that if you're feeling motivated i'm using air quotes you can't see them because we're on audio but if you're feeling quote unquote motivated uh it means that you're feeling amazing with all of your training like you feel rad in the studio you're train like your cross training is feeling great you're feeling super flexible like everything is fabulous and that's not really realistic. Um, I usually tell people to go by the rule of thirds. Um, you're going to feel amazing and super driven a third of the time. You're going to feel okay-ish a third of the time. And you're going to feel pro- probably a little bit terrible for a third of the time. Uh, and if you feel like you're feeling terrible most of the time, no, I like you're that. probably pushing I'm definitely yourself gonna be hard. That and for people that I interact with. Time, you're probably not pushing yourself <laughs> enough. And it's a good I uh, love it. metric to go um, by. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about a kind of pivot. Oh, How do you yeah. design yeah, your feel, training? Feel away. Like, do you do you start with rest days? Do you start with like knowing where your hardest days are and build around that? Or my training week. So my training weeks are actually designed um, from a lot of steps backwards. Um, And what I mean by that is when I'm working on something, I'll typically think about where I want to be in about six months and design from there. So I will look at my training over the next six months and depending on if it's a strength or power or flexibility goal, Um, I'm going to say, okay, like my training is probably going to look like a lot of, we'll just go with flexibility. It's going to look like a lot of flexibility. Um, Which months am I going to be more strength training focused though? Because I need that also. So I'm going to be in maintenance mode for flexibility, say in May, since it's May now. Um, And then I hone in a little bit more and I say, okay, like I'm in maintenance mode for flexibility in May. Um, So most of these four weeks are going to be strength oriented since that's what I'm focused on. Um, Maybe one of those weeks I am doing active rest or I'm taking a flexibility week just to achieve some balance throughout the month. Um, And then I zero in a little bit more onto the week and kind of like you were saying, yeah, um, I'll think about what other things I have going on in the week and I'll program my more intense training days, um, whether that's a, contortion training session that I'm pushing myself really hard in or a strength training day um, that I'm, you know, going to my max intensity or something like that. And I'll program those around when I know I can get the most sleep um, or when I know I haven't been really stressed out the day before with either I love it. work or I do other almost the opposite. Um, um, and then with like just the week, the I probably should look like take a step back and go like macro goals down to micro, but I am very much a person that if I don't plan my rest days ahead of time, they don't happen. And if they're like, if they're on my schedule, then I will like for sure um, make myself take them. But I definitely have that like, oh, I could take a class today. Like I could just like sneak into the studio for like a mini training session or like a light training session. But 
if I put them on my calendar, then I like make sure to take them. So I will look at everything that I have going on in the week and same thing, like life stresses, work stresses and be like, okay, like I have a full day today. So like tomorrow's not a good day for me to train hard. So like tomorrow will be a rest day. Um, And then once I have my rest days planned, then it's like, okay, I need to um, put in cross training, cross training days. And then whatever is left turns into like studio time. And I used to do the opposite. Like I would plan my classes and then try to plan my like cross training and rest days around the classes that I wanted to take. But I found that it was too easy for me to let cross training and rest fall off of my schedule if I did it that way. So just know people listening that there's like more than one way to have a good training week. You just need to like figure out what works well for you and the way that your mm. brain like works and body and life, all of that good jazz. Yes. And something that you'll be consistent with, right? Like um, if you're kind of sporadically doing things like week by week or yeah, well, even day by day, like the results that you'll see will be different than if you like sat down and was like, okay, I can consistently do this. So I'm going to stick with the consistent schedule or whatever. You mentioned um, a topic that I'm really excited for us to talk about, strength and flexibility. And um, we knew it was going to happen. We knew we were going to get here. So, so many um, people, and honestly, like, I feel like I get a message almost every day of people (laughs) telling me that you can't be strong and be flexible. Right. Yes. And I have lots of thoughts, but I'll let you talk First, strength and flexibility, Britta. What do we got? Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of myths that are surrounding this. Um, Some are just straight up uh, misogyny where, you know, people don't want women to feel like it's okay for them to be bulky and powerful and that we need to be just be doing Pilates and all those things uh, because if you strength train and you want to become bulky that is totally okay just putting that out there um additionally though like along with that um it takes so much work for you to actually become bulky enough to the to the point where you can't get around yourself um you know, it's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger was like a contortionist or anything, but he worked like six days a week to look that way. I have a, so, a slight squirrel like, moment. Off of this. You know, so I've you're not going to turn out like that if you add in a few cross-training muscle days, mass uh, and weight. Your programming. It's taken me uh, like two years to gain like 10 pounds and like two years of like consistently eating so much food and strength training, like fairly heavy mm-hmm. for me to gain 10 pounds. So if you think that picking up a barbell like twice a week is going to like magically have you put a bunch of weight on, you're mistaken. Exactly. Yeah. People people work really hard to look badass and bulky and uh, that's a super fun way to train too, but understandable if you don't want to do that because you're focused on um, whatever it is you're focused on. 
So uh, a lot of people have questions about how exactly this works with strength and flexibility training. And there's a lot of things in play, but the main thing I try and drive home with my athletes and clients uh, is that you need to be training your range of motion under load. So we're taking the hamstring strength for uh, example and hamstring flexibility. Uh, we're training splits, we're training splits, we're training splits all the time. We love splitsy tricks on the pole and on the silks. What we want to do all the time, it's great. Um, your splits are not going to be as they're you're gonna plateau in your split training if your hamstrings don't feel safe in an extended position. And the way we can help hamstrings feel safe in an extended position is by loading them. So when we deadlift, we're sending our hips backwards and lengthening our hamstrings. And we've got a heavy ass, hopefully, weight in our hands. And that's loading our hamstrings and sending the message to those muscles, hey, we're safe here. We can hold 150 pounds in this extended position. So if you want to give me just a little bit more flexibility, you would be totally safe to do so. Uh, So it's a great way to reinforce flexibility under load. Um, And it's also great for the nervous system on that note, uh, in terms of sending the message to your body that it is safe to extend in all of the wonderful ways and positions that we like to do it. Um, It's really stressful for a body to be going about life and training uh, and feeling like it has to protect itself because it's not strong enough, um, you know, if something were to happen. And that's when we get that tight feeling and feeling like we're limited in our flexibility is when... Definitely. Uh, and when our nervous I work with people because I have a lot of people come in and they're like, I'm like, I'm super stiff. My body is like super stiff. And there's times when stretching is needing or needed and like mobilizing is needed. But it's that fine balance of like, is your body holding tension here because it's trying to protect itself from something and you really need to strengthen the area? Or like, do you need more motion in this body part so that you can like move around with less stiffness. And I feel like Mm. a lot of artists um, have a tendency to go to like, I feel stiff, therefore I will stretch like over and over again. And um, I like, I talk to a lot of people and post this fairly frequently, like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is like the definition of insanity. And also is like a source of frustration for a lot of people because they're like, I'm doing this, like I'm putting in the work, I'm like spending time, I'm like really trying, like, you know, like I'm not being like, quote unquote, lazy with my training, and I'm not seeing the results that um, I really want to. And that's where working with someone that like understands the body, understands how to assess the body, understands whatever sport that you're in can definitely help you because you don't necessarily need to be just complete stretching all the time, even if you're trying to get more flexible, like there's more to it. If only the body was that easy where you just had to stretch. Definitely. Right. Please. Yes. I like, like the, what I the joke, like body so by I'm Amazon Prime. It, like if only that were an option, like a two day <laughs> yes. thing. Let's I'm like, that, if only it responded like that, because then I would be reaching every single one of my goals in like a matter of a month. Cause we'll just like every two days, just <gasps> yeah, cross yeah. it off the list. Um, which 
it's like a good kind of segue to the next question that I had for you is what do you wish more we could say people in general or artistic athletes were doing on a regular basis yeah okay I figured strength training would be on there but um yeah like what do you like in a perfect world what are people at like an average studio (laughs) taking into consideration with their training yes I really wish that artists and athletes would allow themselves to step out of their box more. There seems to be a huge culture in pole dancing and circus arts world that it's like, oh, I don't lift. I go here because I hate the gym. I don't want to wear Lululemons and do fitness influencer booty workouts, which is great. <laughs> you don't have to do like any of those things. Um, but I wish that artists and athletes would allow themselves to embody their cross training and make it their own and try other things that might not might not necessarily fit this artist um box that they've set for themselves because I definitely wasn't that way um like I've said I've been a dancer my whole life it wasn't like I grew up in the gym or like my dance team growing up had this great cross training program which I really freaking wish it did Um, but I felt very strange and very afraid stepping into the gym. And my first trainer was this, um, like MMA fighter guy who was like totally, uh, he was amazing. Um, hi Evan, if you're listening. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was really blessed to have him because he made me feel really comfortable and helped me to embody my lifting practice and make it my own. And he was really good at, um, explaining, how everything we were doing applied to my art. Um, And he never made me feel like I had to look like him while I was doing the exercises or like I had to train like an MMA fighter or um, like train to have um, killer deltoids and biceps like he had. Um, It was always uh, something that was like, this is yours. Um, This is however you want to make it or do it, obviously within like safety realms. but I wish that people would allow themselves I like to that. I feel like explore something that we could expand upon a little bit that if you're not in the strength and conditioning world is that there are a wide variety of different ways to train. And the way that someone doing MMA or becoming like an ultra marathon runner, the way that they are going to lift is going to be different than the way that an artistic athlete like could lift especially if we're lifting like purely to try and improve our performance and not just lifting for like general, whatever, I'm going to go pick some stuff up and down. Like if we have specific goals with our strength training, it's going to look um, similar. Like a lot of the movements will be similar, but the way that it's programmed will be different based on the, the art, the sport that you're in. So if that's something that is maybe holding you back from starting to strength train, just know that, Um, a good trainer will be able to customize your programming to what you are actually wanting your body to do. Right. And things that you like to do. I have had uh, clients and athletes who are complete novice lifters 
um, or novice to anything outside of the dance realm. And it's often a little intimidating for them because they're not sure how to like, hold their body. Uh, and then there's always at least one exercise. Yes, please. Like, oh, I love these for sure and um, um and then if yeah, you don't know what a deadlift yeah, is it's I know. picking something <laughs> we, we should have done the whole from the ground on and like you <laughs> only pick it up to uh, like just above your knees also like, my favorite thigh and of all the lifts that like I do and that I program for people I feel like deadlifting is the one that makes the people feel the most powerful because you have the ability to pick up like fairly heavy weight without being um like a super big person and it just like you feel like such a badass when you're like, I just lifted 200 pounds. Like, what the holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, 100. Yeah, just loud noises. Grunts make everything better. It, by the way, and then I feel like kind of all together. So we <laughs> talked a little bit about planning out our training weeks. We've talked a lot about yes. cross training slash strength training. Yes. And the topic of periodization is something that um, I think it's really looked over in artistic athletes because we don't really have um, like an on season and an off season. You can just go every single day forever if you wanted to, um, which is something that like in my realm where I'm like, okay, when was the last time that you had, you know, like a deload week in your training? And a lot Mm -hmm. of dancers are like, what do you mean a deload week? I'm like, you can't see my face, but I'm making a face. Um, so it's something that, yeah, that um, having, I grew up playing more traditional sports. So I played soccer, I did track, I played basketball. So it was definitely like we had a season yes. and then I would switch to <laughs> the eyebrows. Sport. Are um, so coming into the dance world as an older adult was something that I had to adjust to where I'm like, what do you mean? Like, there's not a, like an off season for this. So um yeah, let's let's hear your thoughts. Periodization and performing arts. Yeah, so there's a lot of pressure in performing arts to do all the things, you know. Um, our sport in general involves a lot of strength and power and mobility and flexibility and endurance. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be doing Pilates and running and lifting and power training and flexibility and my actual sports. And we tend to get overwhelmed and be like, how do I do this all? So put simply, you don't have to do it all. Um, I think that the easiest way to go about it is to alternate what you're focused on um, each month, and then you are in maintenance mode for those other variables while you're training your thing of focus for that month. So uh, having a plan like that prevents uh, burnout, allows you to focus on progressing in one area um, while staying in maintenance mode with the other. And so Definitely. we're not feeling And then from the like, like doctor's point of view, having built-in periodization decreases your risk of injury. <laughs> it doesn't prevent injury because that doesn't exist, um, but it decreases your risk of having an injury because I know that you're not going 100 miles an hour all the time. Like I Like having that built in, I know that you're going to allow your tissues and your nervous system and your body to recover and then go Mm -hmm. to like a like the next level 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and going back to the rule of thirds, uh, you know, it's the same thing for training intensities. Uh, you shouldn't be pushing yourself to the fact where you're, or to the point where you're army crawling, uh, out of the gym, like I was yesterday. Um, but definitely sometimes, yes, you want to do that. But if you're dying during all of your workouts, your intensity needs to be adjusted. Um, and yeah, yes, which can be a little bit overwhelming for people that um, like, don't know. And I feel like it's worth pointing out and that if you're not in of different ways this to do it too, realm of the world, amazing. like if you're someone that just enjoys dancing for a hobby or for something that is super fun, um, it can be overwhelming to hear people talk about all the things that you should be doing and try to figure that out on your own. And so if you're one of those people that you're like, this sounds like something that like I could benefit from. This is literally why Britta and I have a career is because we help people <laughs> figure stuff out like this. So reach out to people, use the people that are experts in different areas. So you don't have to, to, to <laughs> go alone. Literally There's support what we do. <laughs> if you want support for it. Right. Well, and to going back to the, you know, a ton of different ways to go about it is um, it can be done really casually and really organized too. Um, what I do is pretty detailed. Um, you'll get a pretty detailed training plan and you know exactly what you'll be doing um, each week and all of your exercises and sets and reps are perfectly um, optimized throughout your week and month. And you know, that's great, but I also can appreciate that some people want to just say, okay, may yeah, I, I mean, same with my own personal training. And I've had like, it I'm be tone down, like, my strength down to and, um, the, there are definitely the day, like super detailed, too. like this is I've exactly what I'm going to be focusing on each day. And then that can be overwhelming if you have a lot of other things going on in your life. And so you can just have it be super casual to be like, yeah, I'm going to like try to increase strength for the next like little bit and not so much my flexibility. And then be like, ah, I need to train my flexibility more. So like the strength is going to tone down and flexibility is going to come up and have that like kind of ebb and flow and like different, different strokes for different folks, you know, whatever works well for you. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm going back to um, talking about what's, uh, everyone's different training solution is going to be, you know, depending on how much time you have to focus on periodizing your training. Uh, and it should, it should never feel like it's something that you're, uh, like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole into your life. Um, so a great part of periodization is also, um, you know, looking at like when you have travel coming up and, um, you know, competitions and things like that are obviously like when we would be really focused, uh, but yeah, it should it. fit it. really well into your uh, life and it should feel like you are talking about comps. It's just like actually like spurred um, a thing or a question performing arts. So metaphor. there's not a lot of competitions happening right now, but I have a feeling that they're going to come back like pretty strong once we're able to have competitions again. And, um, personally, I don't like competing. The thought of like being on a stage in front of a bunch of people makes me want to throw up even just sitting here, mm -hmm. the thought of it, like, no, thank you. Um, but I know a lot of people like to. That's why they are like in performing arts because it's like performing, obviously. Um, 
And where I see people go wrong is that they'll start, they want to decide they're going to do a competition. And then everything leading up to that, all of their training is just trying to do their piece. And they get like so hyper focused that they literally don't do any other movement patterns besides their routine for the competition. How do you handle, as someone that likes to perform, building a piece and making sure that you're getting some movement variability in your day? Yeah. Yeah. Movement variability is super important. Um, I usually recommend start preparing 15 weeks out and the first one to six weeks are uh, strength training and fairly light um, choreography and combo prep, things like that. Uh, Take a deload week, active rest, um, gentle rehearsal type stuff. Uh, Weeks eight through 13, we're still strength training, a little bit more maintenance mode-ish, starting to ramp up how we're doing in rehearsal. Um, we're running our combos and uh, routine a bit longer. And then those last two weeks are active rest in terms of cross training. Uh, and super, super focused on rehearsal and going really hard in that sense. And um, depending on what you need before your competition or performance, then those last few days are either okay. resting and then how and breath in that kind of spectrum of developing your piece, like to have when their, are like, you like day, done tweaking um, it? the competition are you still tweaking it up to like the last like few days are you like I have my piece I've read some people say that you should have your piece like a hundred percent you're not going to change anything four weeks Mm. before your competition Hmm. I've done it both ways I have done competitions where I have had every single step and head turn to a T like yeah four or five weeks out before the competition and then I've done some where I'm changing things backstage um and they yeah and they've both uh okay I can make the I can make the argument for a lot of different things my thoughts with changing it last minute would be changing it to something that you know your body is prepared for and not randomly putting in like a big trick or a big combo that you don't know if you are like a hundred percent able to hold that position, like either strength or flexibility wise. Um, if it's like a reach something where you're like, ah, like, I think I can do this, but I don't know if I can. Um, that would be something that once again, from like an injury point that I would be like, you know, if you're, I don't know, pick up whatever level that you're at. So if you're like a level three for, competition and you know that you can do like a level one move basically blindfolded backwards and you want to randomly throw that in like probably not going to be something that your body is not prepared for but if you're like oh there's like a level four move that I like I'm so close to getting and I really want to do it in this competition but I don't know if I can like that risk versus reward conversation needs to come in Right. Okay. I'm glad that you said it that way and brought that up because I'm talking more 
choreography choices and in terms of adding in okay. uh, new tricks or skills that nervous system and body aren't ready for, I keep it in that 15-week realm still. Um, when that 15-week mark hits, we're not learning any new tricks. Uh, we're not putting any new oh okay so you like have your, your body like, um, mastered tricks already before you start your 15 that 15 that week that we you described and then you're just spending that 15 into. weeks like cleaning up you know like what angle do I want to be at do I want to have my toes pointed or flexed for this position that kind of stuff yes. okay Okay. Okay, cool. So yeah, so that was definitely when I like the first time you went through it, I was like, ah, oh, like 15 weeks doesn't seem like a right. lot of time to yeah, like we're not learning learn new things and like put it in a week seven. <laughs> Hi friends, quick intermission. The recording software that I use glitched out in the middle of us recording this episode. We started again. The conversation is going to be a little bit choppy, but then we cover some really awesome topics. So wanted to get a quick disclaimer about why the conversation is clunky and why the audio changes, but here is the rest of the episode with Britta. Yeah, so definitely within that five or that fifteen week mark, you are in preparatory mode, not learning mode. Okay, that definitely makes um, a lot more sense because I feel like the interactions that I've had, like both myself personally, I've only performed twice in my life and one it was um like a group performance so we had like no say over the choreography like we just showed up to a class the Mm -hmm. instructor like built the choreo for us and then we performed it and it was great and then the other one um like I designed the choreo which is like not something that I am like super comfortable with and I probably like should have had someone help me because I was just like like, out there winging it I'm like I could figure this out um but I was figuring out my piece the morning of my competition like trying to figure out like which moves I wanted to do and surprise my performance did not go very well (laughs) because I like couldn't remember what I was supposed to do so it was definitely like an eye-opening experience and I feel like is one that's not super unique to new performers or even like I don't know beginner intermediate performers where they want to show all of the hard work that they've done and so they're like constantly trying to figure out a way to like elevate their piece potentially at the detriment of how their performance is going to go. Exactly. Yeah. And getting so in your head about like what you think the audience wants to see, um, which is good to an extent, um, but it can definitely hinder um, those preparatory weeks and just and be really unnecessarily stressful. So um, there's a lot that goes into competition training and it's, it's so fun to prep for though. Um, it's, it's a really nice mix of not, not to like, um, plug my, I didn't mean for my personal brand to like come into the sentence, but it's a nice blend of, uh, the arts and the athletics. No. Yeah. Definitely plug your, plug yourself. That's why I'm having you on here. Plug yes. away. <laughs> um, okay. so I've, uh, I don't know. I want to add like a little blurb that like competition training can look like different things for different people. It can be going on like full um, like PSO or what the Aerial Olympics or whatever, whatever the competitions are called. But it also can be your student showcase that your studio is having, like preparing a piece for that. Like you need to take it just as seriously as if you were going on to like one of the bigger um, comps. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and it's a great way if, if you're not um, 
if if you're doing competitions and showcases uh, and you value your competition um, body preparedness more, um, the showcases are a great way to experiment with periodization and what works for you in terms of what you want to do the um, the the weeks and the days leading up to your performance. Um, I've done competition pieces for shows and showcases and gigs um, to experiment with how my nervous system responds to the periodization plan I had. And it is really nice to uh, know how you're going to feel before the competition, because it's very rare in life that we can control how we're going to feel before something. No, for sure. Um, One, we're like, at like, I don't know, 45 ish minutes. And there's a topic that we were messaging about that I feel like is really worth talking about. And it is the kind of overlap between um, personal trainers and providers and when it makes sense to talk to either one or like how how we can work together. Yeah, I do get a lot of notes in my inbox uh, about diagnostic style things, which I mentioned. I love individual assessment and I'm a total anatomy freak. So I would just love to diagnose you, but unfortunately I'm not licensed to, um, nor have the proper education to do so. Um, and so that's where somebody like Dr. Emily would come in, um, and be able to give you a diagnosis, um, and a medical professional, uh, recommendation on how you move forward. Um, trainers and coaches come in after you are medically cleared to train. Um, we're more, uh, like goal and uh, plan oriented and how can we bolster um, what you're doing in your life and in your sport um, and push you in your training sessions and in your plans to do those things.
Right. And uh, hopefully whatever trainer or coach or non-medical professional you work with um, has a empirically sound movement screen that they will perform on you to make sure that you're um, going that you're safe to move and that they don't need to refer you out to a medical professional. Um, so that's something to go off of too, is when you're looking for a coach or a trainer is, um, you know, ask if there's going to be a movement screen, um, and what type of things are going to be assessing during your intake. Definitely. And like, same for like my intake, when I have a person come into my office, I, my first interaction with them is screening to see if they should be seeing like my type of doctor or if they need to go see someone like that's more medical based. And there's um, really, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people get weird about referring out to other types of people. Like there's like some sort of ego involved or they're like, no, I'm going to be able to like help this person. And even though it's like outside of my skill set and like no one benefits in that scenario, like you don't benefit as the the coach or the provider, right. the client or patient doesn't benefit because you're not giving them what they're what they need in that moment. So let your ego go and send the person to who makes the most sense for them right now. And more people will respect you for knowing your limits than trying to figure out things on the fly. Right. And you're hitting the nail on the head with the lose lose situation. Um, it's not going to be fun for me to um, pretend that I'm a doctor. <laughs> against my ethics and you're not going to get the results or the care that you're looking for um but I'm loving I'm loving this uh trend of more coaches and doctors uh specializing in performing arts and circus arts and I'm happy that more providers are getting the um get, getting exposure to more quote-unquote abnormal sports <laughs> Definitely. And I feel like that's, that could be like a whole podcast. I probably actually have made a whole podcast about it, that there's a lot of sports that are literally, it's like a checkbox of like how to assess them. Like I literally have an app on my phone for assessing a baseball player where like I have them do a movement and I just click like, yes, they can do it or no, they can't. And yeah, it's super cool. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. And it went along with um, like a two-day training. So it's not like just anyone can like download the app. Like there's logic behind it. Yeah. But like that doesn't exist for performing artists. So finding a provider that um, understands what you're asking your body to do and can give you an assessment that makes sense for what you're asking your body to do is becoming more popular, but doesn't exist in a lot of places. So that could be, I don't know, something to take into consideration if you're a performing artist and you're struggling with something like it might be worth trying to reach out to a provider that you know specializes in in that and see if they can give you some guidance. Exactly. It's always a good uh, good test of uh, experience and professionalism to tell your um, provider that you're a contortionist and just watch the reaction. Yeah. I had actually had to go to the doctor um, yesterday because I hurt my shoulder in pole class and like I haven't been to a medical doctor for besides like for my like annual like OB exam for literally years and was in like my pole clothes because I just went like literally from the class that I hurt myself like into a walk-in clinic and I was like I don't know how this person is going to react 
to me telling them that I hurt myself pole dancing. Um, so it was a very like, kind of like eye-opening experience because I definitely like talk about finding a provider that like specializes in your your things. Um, and it, like the experience went like, I would say moderate. It could have been better, but um, it's definitely a, a whole nother like spectrum of the world, you know? Britta, did anybody ask you questions on your like swipe up thing on Instagram? Uh, I got a couple questions regarding my current project because I keep posting about it and I don't have an official announcement for you all yet. I'm planning on announcing this fairly soon. Um, This is a cross-training program for aerialists and dancers. So it's the first of its kind as far as... uh, flexibility and strength training for aerialists and dancers and going wonderfully with everything we've been talking about. Um, It's periodized for you. Um, It's a periodized strength and flexibility program that you can take into the gym or studio and do to um, support your uh, sport. So uh, more details and more things to come. Um, We are still in the final phases of um, getting it launched. But um, I'm really excited to make the official announcement. Um, most people were kind of guessing that that's what it was. So <laughs> I'm not going to like totally keep the metaphorical cat in the bag. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense for what you do for that to be something that you're developing. And um, I will share that I have been one of the people testing it. And I am um, really excited for it to come out to the world because I really believe that it's going to help quite a few people, a lot of people that um, seem overwhelmed by getting into strength training. Like it's definitely um, an accessible yet challenging program. <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> we it's like good. the challenge. Um, for the record, my the other question was, what is your favorite exercise? And we already said um, deadlifts. deadlifts. Like eight so so <laughs> okay, we'll so check that box. What is your, I feel like deadlifts is like a good one. So let's pick favorite upper body exercise. Mm. I feel like it depends so much. Um, I do like pull-ups, but I also like to do more power-based upper body stuff as well. Um, like I love a good like push press and like med ball stuff. Um, but pull-ups are really fun to train as well. So probably probably a tie between push press and pull-ups, which is hilarious because those are complete opposite exercises. Yeah, I mean like an overhead pull or an overhead push, like we're good for it. Um, I was going to say overhead yeah. press is definitely like one of my, um, it's like growing on me. Um, I like pull-ups. I also think rows are like really underutilized. That's true. Yes. A barbell row. That's another good, like powerful one that I just feel uh, very in touch with my Wonder Woman side of myself yes. <laughs> during the barbell rows. <laughs> Um, but I'm also a nerd, so you don't have to visualize scenes from Wonder Woman while you work out if you don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. I should watch cool. Wonder Woman. It's been a while. Um, we're at like a little over an hour. Do you have anything that you wanted to add onto? No, I we covered so much, and this was really, really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you? To especially if they're wanting, they're interested in your upcoming cross training thing. I am on Instagram, Athletic Arts by Britta, with a dot in between. Athletic Arts by Britta, 
And I'm on Twitter um, as my name, Britta Remish, Britta R-E-M-E-S. And uh, my website is athleticartsbybritta.com. And you can find all of my classes and training programs and uh, hopefully soon my new project on all of those platforms. And that is the end of the interview with the lovely Britta Remish. I will be sure to link all of her contact information in the show notes so that if you are interested in working with Britta in any capacity, that you can easily find her contact information. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and have a wonderful day. See you later. Bye.